everyone, and welcome to another episode of XP Hunter. It's your favorite friend of me, Lee, here, and today we have a new companion. We have Kagan Luce. Hello. I'm super excited to have him because, as you know, like doing my job, I run into so many cool people, and I sometimes just see them that one time and I never see them again. But with Kagan, he came on a, a show and I saw his work and I was like, oh, this is really interesting. And then I ran into him again at the Black Market. Um, and I saw some of his cool uh, artwork on T-shirts and postcards. And then I was doing the podcast and I was like, I want to have some comic artists. And I was like, who do I reach out to? I don't know any comic artists. And then I happened to see him on my Instagram feed. And I was like, oh, my gosh, yes, I've met the this gram. guy. The gram. <laughs> yeah. And so I messaged him and he messaged me back. And now he's here with us to talk about comics and art and obviously about himself. Hey, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Mm. Um, so we're going to start with, you know, the quintessential question. What made you, um, what, what got you interested in art? Ooh, that is the quintessential question. Um, I've always done art. Uh, my mother was an artist, so I grew up, you know, doing art projects and drawing with her. And it just kind of turned into a love that I've uh, pursued my entire life. I mean, I've always uh, been in the art field. I always knew that I wanted to do something in the art field. Mm. And... Uh, it's taken many forms over the years, uh, but uh, yeah, it's just always been my, a drive mm. to make art. Uh, so, did you like go to college for art and all that stuff, or you, you're you're home trained? Like you, you have I, natural talent. <laughs> I'd like to think I have natural talent, but mm -hmm. I also did go to art school. Um, you know, I took art classes growing up. I went to Atlanta College of Art, which mm -hmm. is now turned into Savannah College of Art and Design, um, for a couple of years, and then I finished up my degree at. Uh, uh, UMass Boston hmm. and I uh, did art there but I've always done you know schools just uh, a ways to a means mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm, a means yep, to yep. an ends yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, so on XP Hunter you know we're all about um, exploring the depths of creativity and art and that that's expressed through video games comics and anime and the like and so you do a really great comic strip called lunchtime comics with comics with an X yes um, and let, what what got you started doing a strip like that instead of, you know, like your classic comic that comes out with, um, I don't know, 29, 30 panels or something like that? <laughs> well, I've, uh, you know, I've always made comics. As a kid, I've made a lot of superhero comics and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that sort of thing, because that's what you like as a kid. Mm -hmm. And uh, then when I was at um, UMass Boston, I was working production at the student newspaper there, and they kind of gave me carte blanche to do my own project. So nice. I did a strip, a weekly strip there called Coffee Culture, which was more about just kind of social commentary and how much I love to drink coffee. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that kind of got me into the strip format. And then um, Lunchtime Comics came about because I was, you know, there's a couple years gap in between there, but mm -hmm. I was at work and uh, had free time and I felt like at my lunch hour and I felt like I wasn't drawing enough. So I uh, decided just to do, a, you know, I was always doodling, but I decided to, okay, I'm going to do uh, a couple of comics, then I'm going to post them on social media mm. and see how it goes and see if I could do a comic a day just to see if I could be consistent in mm -hmm. uh, my output. Yeah. So I uh, started doing that and I did it for a week and put it up on social media and got a lot of good responses. And I was like, okay, well, I'll continue to do it. And it just kind of snowballed so that you know three years later and 170 episodes later i'm uh, still doing it 
Nice. That's I love to hear that. As as a creative myself, I, I like to call myself a writer. I've never published anything, but I love writing. And I obviously love consuming that stuff. But when an artist can, you know, be fulfilled in a way where it's not like, you know, you, you said you started because you felt like you weren't drawing enough when you had drawn like your whole life before that. And that that can be a little soul crushing. But I'm so <laughs> I'm so happy that you were able to uh, find a way to incorporate incorporate that into your life and you know make it useful and reach out to other people and reach other people that's so amazing um so i've read several of your comics but what topics do you usually cover in your um well my comics are very um family oriented it's really kind of autobiographical but you know through my own lens so it's not just uh you know, I base a lot of things on real experiences, but always through kind of a skewed, my own skewed lens uh, to kind of make it funny because that's how I see things. Mm-hmm. But um, I get into all sorts of topics, a lot about parenting and kids, but I get into social issues, uh, racism and sexism and all the isms because, though, I mean, to ignore them would be to ignore what's mm-hmm. going on in the world, which is I'm trying to reflect that. So and um one thing that I really is kind of uh, personal that I get into is um, my racially ambiguous series, which is um, sorry, I'm saying I'm a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, it happens. You don't even realize you do it until know, right? you're like, oh god, until you hear it in your ears. Yep, yep. yep. Uh, but it's uh, it's really based on my own experiences, and it kind of ended up being me kind of working out my own issues mm-hmm. uh, by sharing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the experience of being a racially ambiguous person, kind of straddling the lines between race, not really fit, feeling like you fit in one place or another. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of things growing up I had to deal with around that. So I just put up in a comic and shared them with everybody. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it has, it's been a, you know, a healing experience, honestly. Mm. One of the things I always try to express, like I've had a, quite a few monologue um, <laughs> episodes, but I always try to express to people that, you know, for creatives or even people in general, a lot of people say, well, it's a movie and it's just exaggerated. But the thing is, you can't write or portray something that you don't know. You know, right. it has to be something that you've seen or experienced or experienced through someone else. And you being racially ambiguous. And for anybody who doesn't know what that means, it just means that someone can't look at you and say that you um, fit into this ethnic or um, this ethnic group. You know, like, oh, your skin's brown. So you're obviously, you know, black when I mean, right phenotypes could make you Indian or whatever. Um, And I really like racially ambiguous because for me, um, it's a it's a pitfall of human kind of logic to think that because we name something, we know it. Right. So when you're racially ambiguous and someone can't point at you and say you're white or you're black or you're Native American, it how do I say it first makes them have to put in more effort to learn you as a person. Right. Um, but it takes away from the notion that just because you name something, you know everything about it. You know, we're not masters of the universe out here. There's always something more to learn. And so when we can't fall back on preconceived notions, I think that's the best things for us. Yeah, and the Racially Ambiguous series, which interestingly enough, I have a T-shirt, a Racially Ambiguous mm-hmm. T-shirt that I make, which actually came about long before the comic. Mm-hmm. But it was always kind of like a pushback on how everyone has to put you in a category, mm-hmm, you know, and mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. throughout my life, always been being asked, like, what are you? Where are you from? What do you, mm-hmm. you know, where are your people from? Yeah. So it was just kind of like a, I'm just going to push back and say that I'm racially ambiguous. I'm undescribable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Stop asking me for a definition. I, and the, and the uh, for a lot of people uh, who come 
in varying shades. I mean, we all do, right? It's like just because you're not this specific shade that it's like, well, like, how are you? You know, it, right. it's it's a very strange way of someone trying to, I, you know, in a nice sense, I would say they're trying to relate to you. Because they're trying to say, oh, well, I know I know one plus one is two, but, you know, one eye, which is an imaginary number, which is so silly. But, you know, one eye and one and two eye make five eye. Like, right. with, and like, it's not really that easy <laughs> to define. Exactly. And so they're struggling. And there are some studies that do say when someone's preconceived notions are challenged, it literally makes them dumber for a little bit. <laughs> so, I, you know, it's a little bit biology, mm-hmm, you know, because mm-hmm. it's like your brain's like, huh, huh, huh. You know, it was right. like the, the dress um, thing where they're like, is it blue and black or white and gold? Right. You know, and it's like, uh, uh, uh. Um, but I also think that's good. You know, make people's minds work. Right. Um, you also have a uh, collection called This Is Boston, and yes. I love that. I love when Boston's represented, and it's not cliche, and it's not, oh, it's wicked cool guy. <laughs> Ugh, I freaking hate that. No one does a really good Boston accent, and I wish people would stop trying. I'm terrible at it. <laughs> um, but uh, tell me about This Is Boston. Well, This Is Boston. Uh, just so many funny experiences. You know, I live in Roxbury and, uh, you know, that's in the heart of the city. Mm-hmm. And I would, you know, you just have so many funny experiences and interactions with people. And uh, just there was just so much to build on. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've lived in Boston since the 90s. And uh, there's just a lot of history here. And mm-hmm. Boston is a unique city in a lot of ways yep, in just the way that it operates Uh yeah, just there's many, many funny, funny things that happen in the city of Boston. And that's kind of how it came about. Um, uh, like IRL, like in real life, I know you said you live in Roxbury pretty much like for the most of your life and you've seen it change. How do you feel about how it's changing now? I personally think Boston's very unique as well. I think it's a really little big city and I love that about it. And, um, you know, we have... I'm, this comes out of segregation, but, you know, we have Phil's Corner, which is at this point very Vietnamese and, you know, Roxbury and large portions of Dorchester are black. And then there's other parts that are Irish and South Boston's Irish. And now you have gentrification. And so now you have, you know, this forced migration of people from their historic part of the city to other parts of the city. Um, and the city's kind of, I'll say, engineering uh, the development of certain places. I personally feel it's bad. I don't think every neighborhood should be like JP. You know, <laughs> I mean, every neighborhood has its own personality. You know, they they can't all be commercial centers, you know. Right. Uh, and also, if you guys don't know, parking in Boston is literally the most oh, it's awful. anger-inducing situation you could ever be in. Um, and they keep inviting people with money, and people with money have cars. Not just cars, multiple cars. But how do you feel <laughs> about the changing Boston <laughs> Well, Boston is definitely a city in flux right now. I mean, I think it's always changing, but Mm. gentrification in and of itself, I think, is not the worst thing in the world. I think Mm. it's something that naturally happens. It's just the way that people do it that is just so messed up, I think. Uh, Taking advantage of people, pricing people out, um, you know, I mean, I just drove down Washington Street Mm -hmm. (laughs) in uh, JP, and they're building... I mean, just yeah. condo, 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 yeah. condo. And, like, who's going to afford these condos? They're going to be millions question. of dollars. And it's certainly not for the people who live here now. Mm, no. And then are there really? And my, my question is always, like, is there enough rich people to buy all these freaking condos exactly. that they're building? Yep. But uh, it's it's uh, it's sad, really, because, um, you know, like, JP, I remember JP in the 90s. Yeah, it was a little rougher, but it definitely had much more flavor and you could – you know, there's much more interesting things going on 
And I mean, I think they've really kind of tried to keep a hold of that, but it has not succeeded. Like, yeah. you know, as soon as the Whole Foods moved in, it was over. <laughs> True. Yes. <laughs> I think it's really interesting. Um, and it again goes into how our culture is built and how think people perceive things where it's like you said it was a little rough back in the day and the connotation that if something's shiny and new and super clean that it's better and i'm like no the thing is if if you know if it's not broke don't fix it and i'm not saying that's always the best uh path to follow but i'm saying okay this building is 50 years old and you've maintained it but it's not sparkly and shiny that doesn't mean that you know what you're offering isn't as good um and for me i mean i live in jp but for me that's what that's what i like i like see when i'm there it's like oh this has to be shiny and it has to be presented in this very special way and i'm like there's nothing wrong with you know the place that serves the best food uh, isn't always the newest, nicest, shiniest place, All like right. Vons. I don't know, have you been there? It's on your street, they serve fish. Yep. It's been there for a million years. They have never renovated <laughs> the inside. <laughs> it's still, it. it's a hot mess and inside. Broke, don't fix it. Yeah, exactly, it's, it's a hot mess inside, but the kitchen's fine. It, the kitchen's clean, nice, orderly, food's great. Right. You know, I'm not complaining. Um, but there are a certain subset of people who are like, well, if they're making so much money, they should fix it up. And I'm like, why? Why? The outside right. looks good, the inside's me. The food's great. <laughs> right. But why can't we, like, improve things for the people that mm. live there? Yeah, that's you know true. I mean? that's true. The population can benefit from improvements in the neighborhood, but in doing so, they're pushing people Exactly. Out. And that's the issue. They're not creating things to benefit the people who live there and attract no, new not. people. They just want all the new people. And for me personally, like, my, my grandparents own a home in Dorchester. They have for oof, 50 or 60 years. And my biggest issue is that like you know they were invested they put down roots and they they invested in boston and there were a lot of people who didn't invest they were like oh nope i don't want to do that it's dangerous it's dirty i'm gonna move out to the suburbs i was like they abandoned you they didn't pay you taxes they didn't do any of those things and here we are paying these taxes generationally you will pay you know everyone has to pay taxes but you know generation generationally we've been putting down roots in boston and here you are betraying me for people who abandoned you at the first sign of, of uh, you know, not shiny newness, you know? Right. So it's like, why, 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 why? Also, I don't think there are enough rich people no, <laughs> to sustain so it. And they keep inviting younger people. They want young professionals. I was like, there's nothing for young professionals to do in and Boston. The issue with that is also that those people aren't going to particularly put down roots here, mm-hmm. right? Yep, they're going to yep, come, yep. they're going to stay for as long as they feel like it and then they're going to disappear and that i think that's unfortunately that's what this housing is going to be transitional housing Mm -hmm. because people aren't going to be able to afford to stay here they're not going to put down roots in a condo yeah i mean come on it's not the same as like your grandparents or my parents buying a home Mm -hmm. in the city and investing in the city and wanting to make the neighborhood better for everybody they're just going to be passing through they're going to use it and abuse it and leave. Yeah. Um, but talking about the community, I know that you have a event coming up. I know it probably happened this year, but it's happening April next year. Um, and you have a monthly meeting as well called Comics in Comics Color. Comics in Color, yes. yes. So the, we do, we have a monthly meeting that's been going on since February of 2018 mm-hmm. that meets at the Grove Hall Library, usually the second Saturday of the, the month. The next one is July 13th. Um, where we have, uh, it's mostly a social group, but we meet up and we have artists come in and talk about their work. Mm-hmm. We have, you know, comic making activities. We do group comic projects. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's really, really a great time. Uh, this next one, we have Jonathan Todd coming in to uh, talk about his graphic novel he's working on. And he's an award-winning author and a comic artist. And he's uh, also the organizer of Kids Comic Fest, which happens out in um, 
Pine Manor College. I think Ooh. it happened a couple of months ago. I don't remember the date exactly, but it was a lot of fun. But uh, that's where I met him, and so he's going to come and talk about his work. And um, so the greater um, project we're working on is the Comics Boston Comics and Color Festival, which is going to be a comics arts festival that's going to happen at RCC, fingers crossed, and um, on April 4th, 2020. I mean, we're still um, you know laying the groundwork and getting the team together and all that stuff to make that happen. But I'm really excited about it. Uh, I've been to... Comic Arts Festival for People of Color in other cities, mm. and um, it's just an amazing space where um, people can share their stories and cosplay and meet one another and, you know, feel safe that their stories are important and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, see people like them creating stories in comic books because there's a really, really big um, kind of, I guess, underground but becoming above ground mm. um, black comic scene where, you know, there's so many creators out there making amazing work. And I'd love to bring them to Boston so people yes. can see it. I would love it, too. I I just recently went to, well, PAX is for video games, but I am going uh, yeah. to Comic-Con Boston, and I'm super excited. And, you know, right around convention time, people are always talking about, you know, when you're black and you're cosplay, like, cosplaying is a safe place, and it should be for everyone. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you say I don't have to cosplay as anyone who looks like me, but you don't have to think about it, right? You can just right. cosplay as whoever when, you know, you're, you're white or just, you know, because most characters aren't aren't uh black right. and even you know i feel like uh brown skin people are really looking for someone to you know look up to and to and not just in the, the mainstream um but you know they're very adamant about it i had someone who she has no no clue about comics or anything but she heard about one a meetup like comics in color and she was like oh did you know the first green lantern was black and i was like okay well technically the first green lantern how jordan is he was white but john stewart was second and he's totally awesome yes but she Thank was you just for saying that yeah <laughs> and i'm like you gotta get those details right yes and and that's the thing it's it's she just but she wanted to grab hold of john stewart she was right. like john stewart is mainstream and he you know in, in, he was the first I was like, he's not the first but he does command the green lantern corps he's he's a big deal um but they're, they're reaching out for that, and it's really hard when you reach out and you grab something and come back with nothing. So bringing, you know, people who write diverse stories about uh, what is a very diverse group of people. You know, right. you say black, but there are a lot of people who fall into that category or, or identify that way. Um, and I really love that. And that would be so exciting. I'm really excited for it. Uh, I got the flyer at the Juneteenth celebration, and I was like, oh. And I was so sad that it was next year. I was like, why can't it be in a couple <laughs> months? time to put this thing together. <laughs> it's a lot of work. I'm so impatient. <laughs> um, but your uh, draw. I'm going to get a little technical. Not super technical because I'm not an artist, guys. I have very little idea what I'm talking about. But I do know, like, when I read comics, the, the drawing style, the art style, is part of what draws me into it, right? Because visually, if I can't connect with it, it's hard to pick up the story. Uh, or not pick up the story, but, you know. Um, so your style, how did that develop? I know it's a lot of dark lines. You know, mm -hmm. your characters are outlined. Um, and the colors are not oversaturated. They're kind of normal. But, like, what, um, what pushed you towards that art style versus, like, a... Uh, I keep forgetting the artist's name, but Neil Gaiman did a comic, uh, a graphic novel called Violent Cases, and it's all uh, like watercolors and light. And what made you do your your comic the way you did? Well, there's a lot. I mean, there's lots of different ways to do mm -hmm. comics. Mm -hmm. Obviously, um, my style kind of developed from the way that I was doing it with because um, I laid down uh, pencil first, and then I was really interested in inking. It was kind of what I was kind of focused on mm -hmm. uh, for a while, and. Uh, just using different tools, whether a nib or a, a 
a brush pen, and mm. I really found that a brush pen really uh, worked well for me. But that's adding, you know, the quality of line is just so interesting because you can go mm. thick to thin, mm-hmm. thick to thin, as uh, you know, in one line. So, um, so I do tend to use a lot of heavy lines, and I'm, I'm, um, and I do, I'm kind of a traditional where I I use paper, I use graphite on paper, and then ink over it and erase away the um, graphite, mm. then scan it in, and then digitally color it and add the uh, text in. So I really am stuck on a lot of people are moving over to all all digital production, yeah. um, but uh, for now I'm really enjoying kind of the more traditional mm-hmm. uh, pen on paper style mm-hmm. and that's kind of what it comes down to I probably and, and it adds a little bit of um, rough edge to it mm-hmm. which I also mm-hmm. like my my lines aren't always perfect mm-hmm. and uh, they they vary and uh, I enjoy that about it and mm-hmm. you know I make mistakes here and there <laughs> which is okay because it's mm-hmm. part of the process but uh, as I uh, you know and I'm still learning you know like I uh, I'm always trying to challenge myself and uh, learn new styles and new tools to use so yeah so there's it's it's a it's a process Mm -hmm. but where I'm at now is definitely inking is really traditional ink styles is what Mm -hmm. I'm enjoying and I think I know I it was a commercial but uh, the creator of spawn he he uses an all digital system to draw the comics and he's like he has this big window in front of him and he's like well you know if you have drawing talent you have talent he's like just because uh you know i'm not using a pen graphite and inking you know doesn't mean that it's uh not just as valid but i think a lot of comic artists are going over to all digital because there's like a demand right and they want to meet that demand and it's hard to do it with the graphite faster yeah exactly um and do you do you think uh comic or yeah, drawing or comics are, are losing something from going all digital versus someone sitting down and being like, okay, this is how how it happens? I, I don't, I mean, in the end result, I don't think so. Mm. I mean, I've seen it both ways and uh, the, the, the tools that they have now are just incredible. The iPad Pro and uh, the Cintiq tablets and stuff mm-hmm. like that they really do a, a pretty good job of <laughs> simulating you know pencil and ink mm-hmm. lines so uh i mean i haven't delved in it too deep myself uh using it but uh from what i've seen from people you know i've mm-hmm. worked with that it's it's very close so i don't think that you're losing anything particularly by doing it digitally mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um can you tell people where they can find you? Uh, you also have a Patreon. Uh, yes. And if you guys don't know what Patreon is, it's a really great system for, you know, you guys to become patrons of artists yes. and help Support. them. Yeah, exactly. Because it, you're not a full-time comic. Like you're, no. Yeah. No, I, I work in the graphic designer mm-hmm. by day. Mm-hmm. And then I put on my comic hat at night. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so I'm on um, all the social medias, really. Um, uh, lunchtime Comics with an X at the end on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, Facebook, uh, uh, yeah, I have a Patreon, which is Patreon slash Lunchtime Comics, and you can find me all over those places. And uh, lunchtimecomics.com, I also have a a page just for the comics, which is just really just a scroll through of some episodes. So you can find me all over the internet. I'm easy to find. Can you? Can they? Can people purchase the volumes of your comic yes, through your my, Patreon? Or my comics are available through Etsy, actually, oh, where Etsy. I. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, I also have another uh, venture that I do, which is 950 Design, which I'm kind of pushing back a little bit, which where I made the T-shirts and the oh, illustrations and stuff like that. But those are cool. So the thing Thank is, you. a lot of people in the community make T-shirts, and they're, like, not 
like great not, <laughs> not in quality it's just like what's on them isn't great you know it's like oh roxbury royalty and i'm like okay but that's just text scrolled on you know oh right. sure it's not engaging but your shirt was really engaging i also Thank bought you. a post if i know you're pulling back but there was a postcard i bought with a woman and she had a big afro and is red and in her afro was roxbury, if roxbury that was on yeah. a shirt i would buy it the i second. actually <laughs> have that on a shirt too. <laughs> oh, i want one it's so good well, I'll have to make you one. <laughs> but um, yeah, so, but I try to make art shirts. You know mm. what I mean? It was less about text, but more about, you know, uh, an art on a shirt. Because, uh, you know, I, as I told people, I'm not a screen printer. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm an artist that uses screen printing as a tool. So I would, um, you know, make my shirts as art. So I, I, I didn't use a screen printing service. I you did you know, learned to screen print. I taught myself to screen print and screen printed all of them. The shirt to myself so mm-hmm. one of the reasons why i'm pulling back from that business which is which is a lot of fun and i enjoy doing it it's just uh, a lot of work because yeah. every <laughs> item that i was selling i was make hand making mm. so it was it was just a lot of work mm-hmm. and i really enjoyed it and i i had a lot of fun doing it i'm sure i'll get back to it but right now my focus has kind of shifted to comics and it's just yeah. just a, a time issue i have you know i have a kids and yep, yep, yep. <laughs> family so and a job so i got to uh, do all those things as well as you find time to make art which is it can be challenging but mm-hmm. i find comics kind of fits into that a little bit better and your comic is updated every every week every week yep. um around lunchtime <laughs> <laughs> yeah fridays around twelve thirty is when i publish them Nice. Yes. Thank you so much for coming, Kagan. Like, Thank you so much oh, for I'm having so excited. Me. I want to ha- have you come again. I'm to. definitely going to try and make it to the July 13th Comics and Color meeting. Great. Um, Grove Hall Library. Yep. The Grove Hall Library is brand new and shiny. It's yes, very lovely. Beautiful. Um, and it's in the hood. The hood. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that first. It's important. Good. I mean, we're really trying to keep everything in the community. Yes, exactly. Um, because, you know, it. I was just having this conversation actually with someone, but you know, it, the whole money leaves the black community or what um, lower income communities within six minutes, right. and I'm like, that's because you have to go downtown if you want to get anything real, and you're not taking your time to to say, oh, is this person, is this a black owned business, is this a Vietnamese owned business? Because, I mean, once you go downtown, odds are it's it's not. Right. So, um, when you have things in your community, it it makes you feel empowered. Yes, you know, yeah. but we like, got we got to support those things in our community yeah and not just because they're they're black owned businesses but because they are supplying you with what you need and it's quality and it's good just like lunchtime comics he focuses on uh real life things things you've probably um i don't have kids but things you've probably (laughs) encountered with your own kids and i know it must be weird because i mean it wasn't that long ago i was a kid but sometimes i see these millennials or generation z and i'm like what are you even doing was i like this i don't remember being like this and you know technology and stuff has added all this extra stuff for being parents yes um but in the meantime um make sure you check out um kagan's uh comic strip lunchtime comics on facebook social medias support him on patreon if you would like uh, I know a lot of people like supporting homegrown comics. You know, I would appreciate it. Because, you know, it can't be all about Marvel. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and people to reach. Yes. So, thanks for joining me this time, guys. I will see you next time. In the meantime, in between times, do it for the XP. See you.